0: Welcome to the Mordcast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th, and Blake and Oisey in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Now's a good time to get yourself a bottle of that 2017 Cabernet. Maybe you should pick up one of the Blake, the Blake Street Blend, or, you know, look, I'm a partial to, I'm partial to Reds, but they got partnerships with Western Slope Wineries. So if you're going to go down to BFW Denver with Blanchard Family Wines and into the dairy block, uh, I highly suggest you check out some of the Rieslings they got. Uh, One of the specialties of Western Slope wineries is uh, the Rieslings, and uh, they are extremely popular. So if you're into that, uh, if you want whites, if you want uh, some rosés or whatever you want, uh, Blanchard Family Wines definitely has that for you. Go to BFWDenver.com to book yourself a virtual wine tasting, which is always very popular if you cannot make it down to Blanchard Family Wines. Now, once again, they're located between 18th and 19th at Blake and Moisee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Always online at BFWDenver.com. They are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, this is, I'm going to try something. I'm I, am I actually, if you notice there's a difference in my voice right now, it's because I have new recording equipment. And hopefully, this is a better listening experience for you folks. Um, this is going to be a, a Saturday series where I talk about. Um, Various things, but I just kind of want to go over like the week that just happened. So it's kind of it's going to be called Saturday Morning Coffee. So it's like a week in review. And um, it's in the my perception of the Nuggets week is tainted by that awful loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I try to make these podcasts as evergreen as possible, but I, th- I understand that some sometimes you guys like these wrap-ups and stuff like that, so I'm going to kind of diversify. The, the two podcasts that are done during the week, two one or two podcasts that are done during the week on CSG will be largely... Uh, evergreen that you can go back and listen to a lot. I uh, try to uh, just a general subject. Um, but I, I understand that you guys, there's a reason that things like Locked On Nuggets and Pickaxe and Roll and uh, some of these other podcasts are popular. It's because, you know, they give you what you want right now, which is a wrap up of and your thoughts of what's going on. So I'm going to kind of give you a week long overview of this. And really the standout um, stuff other than the well, basically the awful uh, uh, loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I, I I hesitate to even talk about because it's one of the, the Nuggets are good for about four or five of those losses a year. Um, but I kind of want to talk about the major developments as the week unfolded. And one thing that kind of went under the radar, um, and Michael uh, Singer had this, but I, I kind of want to I don't know. I, I kind of want to talk about this in relation, since I am the guy who uh, uh, ostensibly became the MPJ newsbreaker guy, which I really wasn't. But uh, I want to kind of talk about how his news about Jamal and MPJ not going to Grand Rapids is uh, is going to kind of shape things, and then the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about, um, the, the games that transpired this week and what they say about this Nuggets team, specifically, um, the game on Friday. But I, you know, my, Mike Singer had out that, uh, Jamal and MBJ were not going to Grand Rapids. And, um, one of the reasons they were going to go to Grand Rapids, uh, was to get practice, Um, One of the things about uh, the coming back from rehab, particularly in the modern NBA where uh, practice days are not built in anymore, is they they don't they didn't have a ton of time to absorb themselves in the team. And this week um, you saw video and Michael Malone talked about Michael Porter Jr. playing one on one for the first time and how good he looked. And quite frankly, Mike has... And this is a, this is something that people need to kind of absorb, is that Mike has looked good for a while now. Um, the Nuggets have tried to take things very slow with him, but Michael Porter Jr. has generally looked very good for a while now. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just... <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about the cough. Now, a lot of that has to do with um, the nature of the injury slash, uh, oh, I can't call it an injury. Um, there was a procedure done on his, on his back um, to relieve pain. And I think people need to refocus their brains and understand that pain management is the name of the game with Mike. It's not structural. He needs to manage the pain that is caused from having a uh, bad disc. That was the major surgery that he had in, um, well, I don't know, back in two thousand eighteen. So that that is what people need to to kind of get wrap their brains around. So every subsequent procedure he has on his back is not necessarily quote surgery in a sense. It is surgery, but it's not what people are imagining it to be. And that is hard to translate to people. Um, One of the, one of the hardest things to impart to people who are going to be um, paying attention to Michael Porter Jr. and, and his, his journey through this league is that this will be constant pain management thing until he decides that he doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Who knows how long it's going to be. Um, there is going to be a point where Mike, when Mike comes back and he's going to look fantastic. Okay, Mike is a different set of kettle of fish, as the British would say. Jamal um, not going to Grand, Grand Rapids is interesting in the sense that um, when you bring back Jamal Murray, you kind of have to start him. You don't necessarily have to start Mike, even though the end goal is going to be the same. You're going to have to eventually make him a starter. Uh, Michael's skill set is very different. Jamal, you kind of have to bring it. You can't really baby him. Um, so when he comes in, you're going to have to have to see him with everyone else. Um, and how that applies to everything is going to be ha- uh, one of those, it's going to be one of those evolutions. And and Jamal, it is actually more valuable for Jamal to get practice time um, because Jamal has missed uh, everything since April of uh last year, which we're we're eleven months now, so practice time and being thrown into the deep end is probably more valuable to uh Jamal Murray, uh, at least in my view, from what I've I've seen with um primary ball handlers and their evolution, um, and that's actually going to benefit Jamal, Jamal and his uh. uh adjustment back to the league will be benefited by him having the ball in his hands as a point guard. Um, Now how that affects the nuggets is, you know, we're going to have to make a determination when we actually see this now for actual timing. We do not know. I, my, my view is Mike is on a much faster trajectory and has been for a while than Jamal. So Jamal will be, I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that Mike will be back before Jamal. Um, but how long before Jamal is a good question because uh, we did not know that Jamal Murray was slated for Grand Rapids until Mike, Mike Singer had mentioned something about it. Um, you know, MPJ tends to um, uh, have... Uh, issues with keeping things to himself (laughs) so that probably was a reason things kind of happened the way they did at the end of last week but now that the nuggets are 37 and 26 they're 11 games over 500 still in the sixth spot and they they need to keep pace because they don't want to go back into the play in game the play in game is the worst case scenario for a playoff team no one wants to be in that unless you're on the come up unless you are like the uh Minnesota Timberwolves who are like yes we haven't been in the playoffs for a while we're a young team we need to get back to the situation the nuggets as an established playoff team the worst case scenario is falling into the play in because you don't want to have it um go to a one game playoff scenario you do not want it to be a uh, um um well you know if you're number if you're the 7 seed you get two games but you don't want to have the variable uh, and chance that you not make it considering the Nuggets injuries, uh, you don't want that to happen. Um, so, uh, will we'll, we'll kind of, will it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how the Nuggets adjust to this. And I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be quite, quite interested in, um, seeing how the Nuggets incorporate specifically Jamal. I'm not worried about Mike. Um uh people need to just kind of reset their expectations with this. Mike started the year, and quite frankly, his skill set is not something that is hard to incorporate into any modern NBA team, even one that's led by Nikola Jokic. Uh Jamal is the one that's gonna take a while, and he's the one that needs to be thrown into the deep end. So, anyway, that that was the f- uh, first major news and items. So on um, uh, on the other side of the break, I'm gonna talk about um Two of the Nuggets contrasting games this this, uh, week, one on Wednesday and one on Friday, and how the uh, team—it says a lot about—both games say a lot about the team, but one we should pay attention to more than the other. And we will talk about that on the other side of the break. All right. um, The Nuggets uh, fell epically on their faces against the Oklahoma City Thunder in— on Wednesday, and here's my view of of that game uh It was a complete aberration, and it was a team that thought that they could just walk in and beat the this thunder and chucked a whole bunch of threes the and and particularly the starters were just unbelievably awful, horrendous, absolutely horrendous. Against the thunder in a, in a way that it was just Nikola Jokic couldn't rescue them. You know, putting it that way. Ah, coffee and one of those one of those things that you you find as you become an older NBA fan is that you find out that teams have these catastrophic law unless you're the. You know, you know even the the 72 win um uh warriors lost to the nuggets you know it was it was just i mean the 6 the 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 excuse me 73 win the 73 win warriors lost to the nuggets the 72 win uh, bulls lost to the nuggets too every team has really bad losses every team um and there's 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 only so much you can do to allay from that. And Michael Malone's post reaction. I'm just like, he's gone to the well with the, my team's a bunch of bums thing far too often. And I'm, I'm concerned that we are reaching saturation point with that particular tack. So, um, my advice, even though he doesn't listen to me, my advice to Michael Malone would be to maybe try something else. Now, with that leads us to the game against the uh, Houston Rockets, which the Houston Rockets are a terrible team, much like the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, playing a bunch of young kids, uh, just getting them a bunch of uh, playtime, and really, um, you know, they, they go through spurts where they win a lot of games, and then they back off. And, and you know, the, 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 by and large, they're just too young and two talent bereft to really complete in the league. And the Nuggets decided to, uh well, uh, um Nikola Jokic had what was deemed as a non-COVID illness. And what happened was Jokic did not play. DeMarcus Cousins played and scored 31, had nine rebounds and I think like three steals, something like that. Um... Played the best game that he has played in, Oh, I don't know, four years, basically, at this point, uh, since 2018, 2017, um, 2018. And I think that the when we look back at this, it's not necessarily that DeMarcus Cousins is. Uh, um, It's not that he is the boogie of old. It is that, uh, first of all, they were playing the Rockets, but second of all, they were playing a team um, in the Rockets that the Nuggets could allow more playing time to DeMarcus. And the hope is with DeMarcus cousins is that he can be that guy that, you know, he's not as good as Jokic, but Jokic can like steal some minutes off the court. Um, I have been reliably informed that a twin towers lineup is not in the cards. Um, then and keep in mind, folks. The Nuggets tried that with Yurt, Nurkic and Jokic, and it went horribly. Jokic needs space on the court. He needs space. Um, it looked like most big men. I mean, the the David Robinson, uh, Tim Duncan, or uh, Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum thing is a rarity. You, it is a rarity. And I, I, I remember if those of you who are really old, uh, Denver Stiffs uh, readers, well will kind of uh, remember that I wrote a column on the benefits of having a Twin Towers lineup uh, back in uh, 2017, 16, 17? I think it was 16. But uh, the issue is that due to the way the Nuggets play, you've seen how the Nuggets offense bogs down when they don't have a shooter like Michael Porter Jr., Um, uh, you, with the lack of shoot, just due to the way the NBA is right now, the lack of shooting can, uh, uh, you know, it's not necessarily about that chucking threes. It's about spacing and spacing affects the way the Nuggets are able to get the ball into Nikola Jokic. Um, teams will double Jokic real quick now. And they try to do it before he turns. So Jokic likes to get the ball in the post and turn and then find an outlet. Um, they want to do it, and they, they try double teams in a different way. Um, a couple teams have been uh, fairly effective at doing that, and largely they've been effective because there's no Mike out there and there's no Jamal. Um, they will not be able to cheat like that with shooters, um, people who are reliably good shooters, like a Michael Porter Jr., who... Before before this last year, when he was hurt, um, was shooting you know in the mid forties on on threes. So that's that's going to affect the way the teams play. Having Boogie out there in the second unit helps in a sense that you have a big man finally, uh, after the way they started this year. And having that big man really helps how the team performs in the second unit sense. Um, having having a team be able to have a second unit center first of all gives jokic a ton more rest um and and you know on the overall point is it allows the nuggets to have an offense that is functional and is not fundamentally different from the way they performed before um there's no boogie doesn't do the passing that jokic does but he can do a little i mean it's kind of like mason plumley plum plum dog had had the ability to pass prop Mason's problem was he would get fouled a lot and he would foul and uh, that would seriously affect his ability to be on the court and it affected the nugget's ability to um, field a functional second unit so keep that in mind when we're talking about Mason plumley but you know, you know, DeMarcus does get into foul trouble, but when he's rolling and when he's good, he adds that toughness and it's that stuff that you really, really need for a functional second unit. And a game against Houston proved that they can Nuggets could get away with even resting, slash, Jokic being out sick um, and get steal some games to make Jokic that much more fresh going into the next week. Okay. Uh, that is today's, uh, Saturday morning coffee. I hope you liked it. Um, I'll be doing this every Saturday, just wrapping up the week. And, uh, hopefully, uh, by the way, hopefully the issues with posting the podcast posting to Apple, hopefully that is solved as of this posting. So, um, go to at jmorton seventy eight. Or at CSG underscore network. Uh, let us know if it's uh, not the case, and uh, I'm going to continue to work on that. Um, I'm sorry that Apple has been a giant pain in the ass. So um, I I need to to. This has been this has been a trying week so far. So anyway, thank you all for joining me in the latest C- uh, Mortcast. I'll be back soon with another episode. Goodbye. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S.